This week's Four Questions Journalist Spotlight is brought to you by Lefts Atlanta Media, Atlanta's best journalist database. Subscribe at leftsatlantamedia.com. Welcome to another edition, another episode of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. We are talking today with my friend Christy Swartz, who I have not talked about talked to in far too long. And Christy is with a has a new role at a media outlet called Floodlight. And we're going to talk about what Floodlight is and what Christy's been up to. And uh, and then we're going to find out what the coolest thing about Christy is that, that you might not know. So I'm giving you the heads up, Christy. You got to think about what is the coolest thing about Christy that that people may not know. So we're going like, to like, people like, oh, man, that's cool. I didn't know Christy did that. Now she's like thinking, oh, crap, what's the cool thing about me? <laughs> okay, Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, let's start out by let, let me give you let's give a little background about your journalist background here in Atlanta sure. and uh, and you can introduce your editor too at, at some point when you want who is uh, I, I love when the editors walk across the oh, desk there yeah I wasn't sure so my, <laughs> my editor here this is um Snoopy Snoopy oh hey, Snoopy right into the camera okay buddy so now I'm gonna I'm going to talk and I'm going to put you on the floor, okay? <laughs> I am right. a fan. So we got that out of the way. All right. There you go. All right. So, so what's, your, what's your journalism background? And I'm trying to think where I first met you. AJ, AJC, maybe? Yes, at, at the AJC. So I just moved up there from South Florida working at the Palm Beach Post. And a lot of people really connect me with Florida. And I mean, it's true. I still have a ton of connections there. Um, my parents started spending the winner there and my mom still does now, but I actually hail from Maryland and have a degree from the University of Maryland from their journalism school. And I'm not going to walk everybody through step by step because that just gets boring. But um, I'm also I'm also very proud of that. And I'm proud of how the school has evolved so much with, I guess, the times and the way that the industry is and things like that. So um, graduated, <laughs> graduated from there, um, left Maryland, uh, which was you know, the only place I had I had lived and where I grew up and then spent a little bit of time in North Carolina. Um, my internships were mostly in business, which was kind of odd because everyone likes to go to the whole, you know, journalists don't like math. And <laughs> there's there's math, but there's also accounting and reading balance sheets and mm -hmm. looking at regulatory things, which I say all of that is an art and a science, um, as I explained in my new Co-workers, I talked to them a little bit about um, how electric utilities work. I said, look, I am I know this because I've been doing this for a long time. When I was 25, listening to an earnings call, I mean, I about broke out in hives. You know, now it's like, you know, now it's now it's old hat. But um, I, I took a lot of uh, summer internships at papers working on business stories because I looked ahead and I thought, well, getting out of school – Everyone's going to want some metro job. And so how do I make myself more marketable? Um, so my last internship was at the AJC when when it was huge and covered three or four floors on 72 Marietta Street. And the business desk took up half the room. And um, I learned a lot while I was there. And then, like I said, worked um, at a couple of places in North Carolina and went down to Florida Um Hit there at a good time. There was administration change where the governor, the incoming governor, was looking at um, a lot of things related to climate. Um, we had back-to-back -back hurricanes, and I got to learn a lot about 
how uh, utilities operate and about the regulatory process and about how to follow the money um, because where there's business, there's politics, as we know. So you're on mute. I know. You think I, you think I would have learned not to do that mute <laughs> thing by now. I, I coughed. I, I, I hit mute there for a second. Uh, yeah, you think I was going to say you, you think people would would figure out like the the strange flow of business and money and politics, right? It 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 took me a while, and then once once that clicked, I mean, again, as I was explaining to my new coworkers, I said, "Listen, especially particularly if you're looking at like an electric company, I said they provide a service, they're also a business." And I said, that inherently doesn't make them bad people, but you have to keep that in mind with the, they have to, they have to provide the service. Yeah. Well, and, and people look at utilities as a, a public service, right? They mm-hmm. don't, they don't look at it as a, as a business. And we, we could spend an hour talking, well, we could probably spend several hours talking about yes. George, George's utilities and the public <laughs> service commission, but that may be a, that may be a whole, a whole separate three hour podcast. Yes. Uh, and then, and so your job immediately before this one, what, what, tell me about that one. I was at e e News, um, which is now owned by Politico and also now owned by Axel Springer. But let's take the e e News part. Um, we were, so I was at Energy Wire. There was a series of publications that fall under this umbrella. Um, and there are a group of us, some based in D.C. and some based kind of scattered across the country. And broadly, we were writing about how the energy sector is transforming um, and in two main ways away from the big, um, you know, coal and gas power plants and looking at renewables. And also, again, looking from getting electricity from one major source to getting it from smaller uh, groups of solar battery storage, things like that. And um, all of what is driving that, the money, the politics, the business strategy, how it's happening. So um, they hired me uh, specifically because they wanted someone to cover the Southeast. I had a counterpart in the Midwest and there are a couple in Texas. Um, So being based in Atlanta, um, I basically focused on TVA, Southern Company, Duke, Nextera, a little bit of Entergy. Um, So we did a lot of work about, you know, what are they doing to make the grid more resilient against extreme weather. Um, again, taking a look at their electricity mix going forward and things like that. All right. So forward on, as they say, to, to today. And, yeah. and now you're, now you're floodlight and you've been there for just a couple of weeks. I started December 1st. It was, yeah. uh, it was the day before my birthday. And then we had um, our annual staff gathering um, the next week in New Orleans. And yes, we were in New, New Orleans. And yes, we worked very hard. Um, <laughs> anyway, always- besides the morning <laughs> runs um, kind of around, around the city and us, you know, doing some dinners at night, it was, it was not party time. We were, we were talking and working. I was, I was at a, convention years ago at a beautiful hotel in san diego right on the ocean mm-hmm. and i was in meetings all all day for three days and i found it's like okay i gotta walk out to the beach and take my shoes off and get some sand right because it's, it's just seems <clears throat> offensive or insulting or yes. something to go to this beautiful hotel on the beach in san diego and not actually walk on the beach yes yes, so, yes. but that's that's the uh <clears throat> the dark side of business travel right Absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right. So, so, uh, so tell me what is, what is Fudlight? And, and I, I want to kind of mention a couple of times the, 
the website and so people know how to find it too. Sure. Um, so the website is floodlightnews.org. In short, take what I did at E&E and Energy Wire and ramp it up. And now you're going to say, well, for everyone listening who doesn't know that. Um, but in short, we're a group of editors and reporters and we do investigative work. Um, so it's no, it's no dailies. It's no quick turnarounds. It's, um, we're, we're doing investigative work. So the model works in that we partner with local and national outlets. So national, that could be NPR, that could be The Guardian, that could be still unnamed, um, local. And it's weird. I don't always think of these outlets as, as local, but, um, they in the past stories have been done in conjunction with newspapers all across Florida, some in Alabama, um, some out of Louisiana and New Orleans. We work with others that have the same, um, nonprofit model that we, that we have in part because, um, they, they may have more time, you know, like that news outlet may only have two or three people, but they may only publish once a month and they have more time to devote to something. So So, it sounds a little bit like uh, ProPublica in some ways. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But more mm-hmm. specifically focused on topics, right? Right. We are every, everything has a everything has a climate angle um and or an energy angle. So we are taking a look at the entities that um might be doing things behind the scenes to shift and mold uh, climate policies. So I'm going to say that very broadly. So again, um, we're, we're doing a lot of looking, for example, like at the lobbying behind the lobbying. Like we all know that, that, you know, there are lobbyists out there. There's money that's recorded and things like that, but we might be looking at some other third party actors that are, that are working with them, um, and doing things to shape policies to either, Keep them the way that they are. I mean, you know, this industry and in transition is hard. It's, um, you know, the journalism industry transition is very hard for us. So you look at um, the fossil fuels industry having to go from these large power plants that relied on coal and gas and then to shifting to solar. That also hits their business model. Yeah. And them in their and their profits. So they're doing everything they can to keep those. Or to, um, you know, or to grow them, which is what a business is going to do. Well, it's fascinating kind of looking at like electric cars for one thing or electric vehicles, kind of the, the whole concept of, all, you know, it's not just buying an electric car and go drive it. It's all of the infrastructure and charging stations and batteries and all the things that go into that. And, and someone had someone had made the comparison to like in the 1800s when the U.S. built like 35,000 miles of railroads, how it took the country – years to restructure itself mm-hmm. to moving people cargo shipping on railways versus you know horse and buggy and whatever sure. however else they were they were moving things so sure so th- and, yeah and that's a perfect example i mean we um to my knowledge are not looking into that specific topic right now however it definitely came up during discussion because if anything you know i put my hand up and said you know, we need to watch state legislatures. I mean, in Georgia, we know they had um, a huge study committee last year and they just put out a report that's that's 500 pages. So to your point, right, it's not just buying the cars and driving them. It's getting to different policies, whereas um, Georgia is one state where, you know, you cannot buy 
a car from what we would call a startup, uh, you know, a startup maker, um, with the exception of Tesla. But then you're also getting into the infrastructure. Who builds it? Who yeah. owns it? Who pays for it? Where does it go? Um, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna foot the bill to put them out in the rural areas where you've only got one or two people and one or two chargers? That's a lot of money. However, do you leave them out? Well, then we're going to be in the same situation that we are like with rural broadband, where it was shocking to me shows how out of touch I was that there's still so much of the country and particularly in the Southeast that doesn't yeah. have that kind of connectivity. You know, do we really want to go that route? Yeah, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see those, we'll see those trends play out. So in terms, so is your focus, uh, national is it southeast a little bit of both in terms of what it, you're gonna write it is a little bit of both um and i hate to not give you a straight answer because that's not fair and when oh, you're, you, you haven't been there too long so right <laughs> yeah well, that's, true too. that's true too um so but yes mine mine is mostly southeast i was brought in to um help do and expand some coverage in the in the southeast okay all right um and if if folks have uh a resource or an organization or somebody who, who they think might be able to offer some insight or expertise on this email, kind of the best way to make an introduction that way to you? Yes, email is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Christy, and that's K-R-I-S-T-I, at floodlightnews.org. Okay. And I'm trying it? to do, I mean, of course, call me in a month and ask me how that's going, but I'm trying to do a really good job of um, organizing my my email into ways where if someone reaches out to me that I'm getting back to them uh, right away or within the next 24 hours or, or whatever, I'm trying to not get lost in a sea of email this time around. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. I was going to say, call me in a month and ask me how that's going. It, it's, it's great when you start a new job, you can just whoosh, clean, start with a fresh new email. And yes, yes, yes. Every couple of years I try to get to like a zero inbox and I, I never quite get there move stuff to folders and yes right right well it's that fear of if it's in a folder then you don't see it you know yeah. the folder is where emails go to die and so although i'm i'm trying to get better of getting out of that mindset and being like no if you're looking for something that has to do with you know um dogs it's in the folder mark dogs right right okay so I gave you a heads up that this was, I was going to ask this challenging question before, earlier. So what is, what's the coolest thing about Christy that people might not know? Oh, um, you know, I used to never share this, but um, I grew up, uh, I grew up dancing ballet. Um, I know a lot of people know me as a runner, um, which I started to burn off stress because as you remember, when we met at the AJC, they like most outlets in the industry were going through around the buyouts. Um, yeah. And that was stressful right, right. and I needed a better way to handle that um and that morphed into a whole other a uh, whole other huge part of my life but um I um yeah I grew up uh, I grew up dancing ballet that was a huge part of my life um I loved performing which is probably one of the reasons why um I like racing and also probably like why I like deadlines or tend to thrive on Thrive on deadlines. Um, I stopped doing that when I was in high school um, and switched gears and did a lot of community service. So um, that's something that I rarely talk about. So it's, yeah. So since you mentioned it, is there a kind of a community organization or something that you want to give some some love to? Any, anybody you work with that you really like? Oh, um, 
That's okay. I, I didn't. I didn't give you that question ahead of time. So yeah, no, and that's yeah. and that's a good question. I mean, you know, <laughs> the journalist hat on. It's like I have to be mindful of that. What I did really appreciate was that E and E, they, um, and forgive me. I know you want to wrap this up, but I do. No, I no, do we, we, get, we get time. We get it was time. after. Um, it was after George Floyd and um, two runners that I knew were doing a run for justice. And um, because of Atlanta's very diverse running community, it has a very strong community also of black runners, uh, many of whom I'm I'm humbled and honored to call friends. Yeah. And I'm like, they know I'm a journalist, but I'm like, at some point, I can't just keep talking it. I've got to walk it. And I remember calling and I'm like, I really want to at least show up and go to this thing. And what I appreciated was you know, my editors at the time saying, we're getting ready to send out some guidelines. Civil rights should not be a political issue. Go run with your friends. Go do that. Thank you. Um, You know, and, um, and that was just something that I, um, I felt very freeing with that. So there's, there's so many large and and particularly smaller nonprofits in, in Metro Atlanta. And, um, you know, a lot of them don't have the bandwidth or the resources to, market themselves or get the word out. So I'd like mm-hmm. to offer folks the opportunity if there's something sure. that's near and dear to your heart, then say, hey, this is, you know, I love work. I, I work with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Metro Atlanta. Anybody ever asked me, I said, that's my volunteer thing. Um, so Absolutely. I always like to throw out some love that way. Okay. Sure. All right. I mean, I will say, and I do this to honor my father now, um, I learned after um, he passed that he um, he gave a lot of money and a lot of time to the food bank. So I will, I will, at least donate food and money um, to the food bank here and in Maryland. And of course, yes, there's giving with time and there's giving with money right now. It's just easier for me to do it with money. Yeah. You know, but, well, I, was, I always, I always tell people you give how, how you can and uh, you know, sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's doing, you know, coming out and digging, putting a tree in the ground. And sometimes it's, you know, giving of your, your services and abilities, you know, the, the, the talents that you have, whether you're a videographer or a writer or a media trainer or whatever, you know, those, all of those things are, are valuable to, to nonprofits. And I, I always encourage folks to say, you know, don't make it too hard. Just. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always some way, there's always some way to do it, you know, and, and, you know, and there's ones that even do direct, you know, we're, we're giving out supplies to help people who are unhoused. So here's the Amazon link to go do. So, you know, I right. was talking to my mom the other day. I'm like, these people aren't like hoarding pencils, you know, like I know that my money is going to, you know, bathroom supplies. Like who the heck would want to like scam me off of that? You know, right, like that. Right. Right. Like okay. I know it's going to where it's supposed to go. All right. So lightning round. So uh, you, short answers to these questions. Uh, last book you've read or the last podcast that you listened to? Um, the last book I read was Running Wild Black by Allison Desir. Okay. Favorite local restaurant? I would say either Gaja or Jan Chan's. Uh, favorite guilty pleasure? <laughs> um, I did this last night while I was um, just doing some meal prep and stuff. I had on um, RuPaul's Drag Race in the in the background because I could occasionally look up and be like, "What is the weirdness?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, favorite local getaway? 
one's that one's hard um because i'm such a beach person and i mean like an actual like there's the ocean not a lake not to yeah yeah lake. but um i do love taking advantage of the parks that we have here um west side park piedmont park i mean i live in town so that's not too much of a getaway but there's places you know you can go to just like hide out chill out yeah get, put some music on and walk <clears throat> around things like All that. right and uh I think I know the answer to this one, but favorite non-work hobby? <laughs> Running, definitely. Okay. Very good. Okay. Now, you were saying earlier how your 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 space defines your personality. Kind of mm-hmm. looking looking around you there, pick out one thing and say something that's kind of interesting in how it how it defines your personality behind you there. Um well, I'm seeing I'll- I see a lot of color. Yes. And, and I was going to say that, um, so I did redo my office. I mean, with E&E, I also worked remotely. So during the pandemic, I'm definitely not saying the lockdown was easy. However, <laughs> I had been working from home for a while. Um, the past couple of years were, were really hard for me. I mean, they were hard for a lot of people, but, um, you know, I lost my, I lost my dad unexpectedly. And, um, you know, he was my, he was my rock. Um, I got COVID early last year and basically have long COVID. And so, yes, I've been able to run. Um, and I have a long run tomorrow, but it's, it's, that's, that's, that's hard. That's really hard when you can't do what you want to do. Um, and you don't really know why. And you also know the medical community is still trying to figure out why. Um, so things were kind of dark, like literally. Um, and when I got this job, I had some time in between and I remember looking and I, I, after a while I had not been sitting in my office and I looked around and I'm like, well, it's kind of drab. So, um, I did a remake, you know, and I told myself, I'm like, don't go to target and like go crazy and buy a bunch of stuff that you have no idea what's going on. So I'm like, what's, what can we redo? And yeah, the big, the big thing was putting in these curtains, um, to make it really bright. Um, the other, the, the Christmas bulbs hanging up, they were actually in my living room. Um, that was when I had decorated for Christmas a while back and had left them there. And finally I'm like, I want the living room to look more like an adult lives here. Um, so I, um, so I moved those in here. Adult, Um, adult, adultism is overrated, I think. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, there was, there was a reason why I didn't move all this into the living room and do it with the background of my, um, of my bookcase. So you can see all my journalism books and women's study books and yeah. financial books. It's like, that's, that's me, but this is, this is me. So, um, yeah. So lots of, lots of color. Um, I still have my CDs. I don't play them, but, um, they make me happy. And those are my dad's, um, most of my dad's cycling jerseys so i wanted to keep those that's cool that's cool we have been talking with christy swartz with floodlight a new a new media outlet uh christy give us the give us the url for floodlight news one more time yes floodlightnews.org see that's easy to remember not not hard all right yeah thank if you, you thank you floodlight a light will come up because i've done that so oh good me. okay uh, cool uh thank you christy for taking some time um and as always look for our Four questions, journalist spotlights, uh, I think every other week. Uh, probably usually on Sundays is when I get them done, unless I'm camping. And um, I will be uh, back in a couple of weeks. And uh, as always, if you're looking for our database of Atlanta Media, go to leftsatlantamedia.com. Uh, and if you're a journalist looking for a source, go to mitchesmediamatch.com or just give me a call. 
And uh, make sure if you're watching this on YouTube that you click that subscribe button. Thank you very much. Thanks, Christy. Thanks, Mitch.